This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by two cutting-edge immune support formulas that work, CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative that's antiviral, antibacterial, anti-allergic, anti-inflammatory, and anti-pain. CV Acute is a fast-acting three-day protocol for immune activation. It directly eliminates invaders with powerful ingredients based on patented Chinese medicine. You get the benefits of traditional Chinese medicine without concerns about quality or contamination that might come from less scrupulously vetted imports. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. The subject is neurotransmitter support. And if you don't know much about neurotransmitters, you're in for a treat because we're going to give you a primer on what is one of the fundamental tenets of orthomolecular medicine. That's a fancy word meaning we support your brain and mood with nutrition. Today's guest is Dr. Neil Edward Levin. He's the Senior Nutrition Education Manager, and he's a product formulator for Now Foods, also makers of the physician line. Now Foods is the consumer line. You find it in retail health food stores, but the professional physician's line is Protocol for Health Balance, one of my favorite brands. Neil's an award-winning board-certified clinical nutritionist. He's a founder and officer of the American Nutrition Association, of which I am a member. And uh, Neil, did you know that I, I just was appointed president of the BCNS, the Board for Certification of Nutritional Specialists? So oh, excellent! Uh, Congratulations. I, I'm, I'm, you know, inadvertently, I'm rising up the ladder there <laughs> as part of the American. <laughs> you know, it's like. Uh, it's just inevitable. Uh, I, I wasn't campaigning for it, but uh, I got—I didn't get elected. I got selected, as they say. So he is also a director of the Mid-American Health Organization, and he serves on the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. So he is uh, uh, part of um, what we call the nutrition establishment uh, or the anti-establishment. Take your pick here in the United States uh, because, uh, well, his, you know, mainstream nutrition uh, might boil down to the recommendation that you have a bowl of Kellogg's cornflakes every morning. Uh, and Dr. Levin is clearly not of that school. So today's subject is um, neurotransmitters. We're going to talk about the connection between dopamine, serotonin, brain health, and pathways to supporting those things through supplementation. So welcome, uh, Neil. It's a pleasure having you back on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Okay. Well, you know, give us uh, an introduction to this notion of neurotransmitters. What's that all about? All right. Well, one issue is that as people age, changes occur in all parts of the body, including the brain. And some parts of the brain can actually shrink. And 
changes in neurons and the neurotransmitters that flow between them affect communication inside the brain and the ner nervous system. And blood flow can be reduced as arteries narrow and there's less, less growth of new capillaries in the brain. And you know, that, that's a risk factor for stroke or things like that too. And uh, this is actually information from the United States Department of Health and Human Services, the National Institute on Aging from the National Institutes of Health. And there's damage by free radicals, there's increased inflammation in the brain, there's plaques and tangles with proteins that happen in the brain that can clog things up. But uh, according to the University of California, San Francisco Memory and Aging Center, they believe that major declines in mental abilities are not inevitable with aging. Mm -hmm. There's a growing evidence that the brain and nervous system are adaptive or plastic is the term that's used, uh, giving us hope that we can maintain and sustain our brain function as we, as we age. And we have to look at factors such as lifestyle, our overall health, nutrition, environment, genetics, all play a role. But uh, it is believed that certain foods can induce memory loss and other foods can support memory and cognitive function and those kind of things. And uh, even Harvard Medical School has published on boosting memory by eating right. There's a diet and memory connection. Uh, they point out the Mediterranean diet is a good base for that, but... Uh, Controlling cholesterol, uh, all these other things are also important. But uh, the nutrients that are used by, to make the neurotransmitters that actually carry these messages and do the functions of helping us with memory and mood are based on protein components, the amino acids. Mm -hmm. And uh, dopamine and serotonin are, are products in the body of amino acids, uh, dopamine is from certain amino acids that are, uh, that are created that will help, uh, them function properly. Uh, if there's a, an imbalance, you're not going to function well. So serotonin is one of the two neurotransmitters or hormones that we're going to be talking about today. It's produced in the brain using uh, the amino acid tryptophan as a base. Serotonin is something that when you eat protein and you're getting the essential amino acid tryptophan, a certain fraction of that, I've heard 10%, but it varies a lot, uh, will convert into a pathway to make a substance called 5-HTP, 5-hydroxytryptophan, mm -hmm. which is the immediate precursor of serotonin. And serotonin is needed not only in the brain, but throughout the body uh, to regulate various things. It's, it's, it's a regulation of sleep, mood, emotions, appetite, pain, body temperature. And there's actually a lot of it made in the gut, that neurotransmitters, neurotransmitters are made both in the brain and the GI tract. And in the GI tract, serotonin has a role in 
mood. It has a role in comfort of your digestive tract, in helping to set the timing of when things happen, the production of stomach acid, the repair processes, the, the rest periods. Uh, those are controlled largely by serotonin. And there's, actually, uh, medical doctors will use antidepressants and, and various things like that to help correct GI disturbances. For, for irritable bowel, for, for example. Exactly. So uh, there's a connection between all these things and what you eat and how you turn them into neurotransmitters. So serotonin is one example. Uh, another example would be dopamine. And dopamine is made from an amino acid tyrosine. Tyrosine is actually produced in the body from an amino acid in food that's called phenylalanine. So phenylalanine is the essential amino acid that you have to get in the diet, but then it converts into other things, including L-tyrosine, and tyrosine can turn into dopamine. Dopamine has a lot of roles as well. It uh, regulates mood, emotions, learning, it regulates uh, production of hormones in the body. It regulates movements, many, many things. And it's also been called a feel-good compound. Mm -hmm. uh, serotonin is known as kind of a relaxing compound, and dopamine is a feel-good and even more energetic compound. It's been compared, actually, to the feeling some people get when they eat chocolate. The pleasure mm -hmm. they get from eating chocolate has been... You used as an analogy for the way people feel when they get dopamine. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, dopamine uh, has been associated with reward and and addiction, and it's thought that the way that something like cocaine works is by triggering a massive release of uh, dopamine, which is very pleasurable. But it's kind of you know, after a while, uh, you know, you use. Uh, various forms of gratification, you know, like uh, gambling or uh, drugs, and you actually end up depleting your dopamine. Yeah, that's a good point, that uh, uh, people with addictions often have imbalances of these substances, these neurotransmitters and, and hormones that are controlled by them in the body, and that affects, uh, that affects them where... Uh, sometimes uh, there are some clinics that have done therapies with amino acids to help control addictions or mm -hmm. compulsive behaviors or or mood issues, and so that's not an unknown factor in using nutrition to help people regulate and normalize these kind of issues. So there's a couple of ways it sounds like to uh, support. Uh, on the one hand, serotonin, on the other hand, uh, dopamine, by giving the amino acid uh, building blocks that help the body synthesize that. Because if you, don't, if you lack the raw materials, you end up shortchanging your production of neurotransmitters. But one that, I've, uh, that is a little less well-known uh, that I've always been curious about is something called Makuna prurians. Uh, yeah, I've known about this for, for a couple of decades, but to me... Its mode of action is kind of unclear. I know it has something to do with dopamine. Can you explain what that does? Yes. Uh, there, there's an herb. It's actually a bean mm -hmm. that contains about 15% of the amino acid L-DOPA. 
Oh. And L-dopa is the precursor of dopamine. So it's even in further along in the in the in the synthetic pathway along the way to making dopamine. So it's I, I guess uh, tyrosine comes before L-dopa, right? So, right? Right. It goes from phenylalanine to tyrosine to L-dopa and then mm-hmm. dopamine. Okay. Just like uh, tryptophan goes into 5-HTP and then serotonin, and it can also produce melatonin. Mm-hmm. So these things have pathways and metabolize to produce a variety of substances with literally hundreds of effects on the body. Mm-hmm. So uh, Makuna is a more direct way of stimulating uh, dopamine production. Um, are, are there any clinical studies showing that it has an effect on mood? Or, you know, certainly L-DOPA is the old-fashioned drug for Parkinson's disease. Uh has this been looked at, uh, you know, the use of a natural agent in the support of a movement disorder or in support of any kind of psychological condition? They have done clinical evaluation with volunteers. Uh, they've looked at their mood and maintaining their activities during uh, daily living. Uh, for example, there's one 12-week study with uh, 60 adult volunteers, average age 59 years old. And there's a, another one with a single day challenge that they're looking at fast, you know, if there's a fast support of L-DOPA activities. So in clinical studies, the Mucona purians, which is the, na- the Latin name of this bean, uh, is generally well tolerated. If you do large doses, it, it could have some GI upset. But uh, there's not a lot of studies on it, but certainly there's plenty of research on L-DOPA itself, mm-hmm. the amino acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of course, we don't mean to suggest that uh, if you have uh, advanced Parkinson's disease, you should stop your medication and, you know, go to a health food store and get some Acuna prurians because um, the medication you're going to be using is, is by an order of magnitude stronger and more purified that delivers uh, L-DOPA or... Uh, medications like Cinemet, which actually has something that helps to prevent the breakdown of the L-DOPA, and it's a little bit more efficient delivery system than a uh, natural bean extract. So um, what about uh, uh, 5-HT and tryptophan? I've always said tryptophan, but, you know, I'm going to bow to your authority on that because uh, it sounds like that's the right way to pronounce it. Um it, there's always it for the clinician or for the person who wants to support their mood that it, it seems like there's a bewildering array of choices like do you take tryptophan or do you take 5-HTP say you're experiencing a mood problem or you want uh, a little bit of stress relief or perhaps you want the sleep benefits that are attributed to tryptophan um, it, it, does it, do they sort out uh, is there one superior to the other well, there's a much wider range of effects from taking L-tryptophan, the amino acid, or tryptophan, tryptophan with an E at the end. It's actually spelled both ways, just like mm-hmm. glycerin okay. can be both ways. Okay. So uh, what, what happens is that you use tryptophan for building muscles, and you use it for other things. You know, it's part of the protein in muscles. It, mm-hmm. It's not just a precursor of serotonin. Okay. So if you take tryptophan, you get this broad effect across 
you know, many systems in the body, mm-hmm. and only a fraction of that goes into the 5-HTP to serotonin pathway. Mm-hmm. And so the 5-HTP is more directly just feeding the serotonin pathway, which, which can also make melatonin, by the way. Oh, okay. And the taking tryptophan, you're kind of gambling it's going six ways right. to Sunday. Is it going right. to feed enough of that? And I've actually seen formulas and protocol had one w- that combined the two okay. just to help that mm-hmm. uh, where you're getting the broad effects as well as feeding a certain pathway specifically. I, I always felt that tryptophan was more the thing you took at bedtime uh, rather than 5-HT uh, and that... Uh, it had a more sedating effect, but maybe from what you're saying, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, it would take a while to convert the tryptophan into 5-HCP and then into serotonin and then into melatonin, which mm-hmm. is an even more okay. sedating compound. Okay. So, you know, that process takes a while. So uh, I would say, yeah, I mean, tryptophan can be used during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also take 5-HCP during the day to increase serotonin, but mm-hmm. serotonin usually peaks, and, and, and melatonin usually peak overnight. And the other things like dopamine might peak more during the day. So mm-hmm. there's also a circadian rhythm to these, mm-hmm. which is partially controlled, the circadian rhythm of the body, by serotonin and melatonin, mm-hmm. interestingly enough. So tryptophan, or tryptophan, uh, got a little bit of a bad rap back in the 90s, I think it was, when there were multiple cases of uh, intoxication uh, with a bad batch of tryptophan. I think that was really the story. It wasn't in- I don't think it was inherently the tryptophan, but tryptophan really grabbed the headlines uh, as being something uh, potentially dangerous. And it, it got, it got a, a fair number of people sick. Um, is the tryptophan that's made now uh, made in a safe way so that people can, we can restore people's confidence in tryptophan? Yes, that, that's a kind of an interesting story, and I dug into that quite a bit. And what I discovered, which has not been well publicized, is that this was one of the first instances of industrially using genetically modified mm. microbes. Mm-hmm. to produce an amino acid, to in fermentation, in other words. Mm-hmm. And apparently, due to some unsuspected mutation in this organism, that it started producing a large amount of toxins mm-hmm. that were not filtered out and were not detected because nobody was looking for that yeah. at the time. And it was one batch from one company in Japan yeah. that produced this. And it did kill dozens of people. It, it, I think it the condition was transverse myelitis, transverse myelitis, like a, a muscle yeah. inflammation, right? Or a nerve inflammation, right. yeah, something along those lines, yeah. Right, something very and, devastating for some people, yeah. Right, so it was pulled from the market except for baby formula and pet food, huh. which is strange because you could still <laughs> feed it to your baby, but right. not adults. Okay. And the FDA eventually... Uh, supported a test for what's called peak E, which mm-hmm. is related to the production of the toxin. Right, using a sophisticated so uh, HPLC, I guess, or something like some very uh, sophisticated analytical 
chemistry. Yeah, liquid right. chromatography right. detects it. Every lot that we purchase mm-hmm. is analyzed for the absence of peak E mm-hmm. on the tryptophan. Mm-hmm. But uh, I actually contacted our supplier at one point and asked if they tested for it because we were sending it out for testing to okay. an FDA-approved lab. Right. And they said, no, they don't routinely test for that. I said, you mm-hmm. guys are stupid. Yeah. What are you putting this on the market without testing after what happened? I know you're not using genetically engineered organisms, but you know, come on. Yeah. You know, we ha- we do it, and it- it's something you have to do to protect the consumers. Yeah, it- it's that extra level of due diligence that good companies like yours engage in. You know, is that uh, you-, you may not even be required by law to do it, but uh, you do it to protect your consumers. Uh, so five HTP has the reputation uh, for suppressing appetite. And it was recommended that people take it uh, if they experienced carb craving. I remember that was kind of in vogue in the in the 90s. Uh, what became of that? Well, ser- serotonin is one of the things it does regulate is mood. And, you know, there, there are mood-related and stress-related eating that occur to people. Uh, cortisol, one of the other hormones produced by the adrenal gland, is strongly associated with stress-related eating. But, you know, people do eat to support their mood. And there's different theories about that. One is that maybe there's a tiny bit of something you need in a, in a food, and you're eating this really bad food that has a little bit of this thing your body knows it needs. Mm-hmm. So you're craving that food, but there's other sources that are much, much better for the body. So, you know, that, that's one, one possibility. In other words, you, but, you eat sugar uh, to generate uh, uh, serotonin, uh, but uh, better you should take some 5-HTP, you know, perhaps. Yeah, and actually the uh, transport of amino acids to the brain is often stimulated by sugars. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for example, the, the classic example of people talk about tryptophan being in Turkey, and when you eat Thanksgiving dinner, you're going to get sleepy. But there's no more tryptophan in turkey than there is in other protein foods. Yeah. It's the, the stuffing and overeating that makes you sleepy. Just knocks you out, right. Not, yeah. not one specific yeah. compound in the food, but it's an example of a popular myth that arises from, arises from these kind of uh, scientific information that goes to the public and gets misinterpreted. Yeah, so much so that they, they actually came up with uh, this... Uh, what was termed the serotonin power diet, uh, eat carbs to generate uh, serotonin. That was uh, Judy Wortman, if you remember her back in, uh, again, you know, we're, we're doing a retro yeah. thing here, like a 1990s thing. Um, you know, it's sort of like, um, uh, you know, going back to uh, the era of Duran Duran. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it that was the notion is that if you if you wanted to sleep better you get a little carb snack and it kind of relaxes you uh is there something to that well yes because uh uh if you eat sweets at the beginning of a meal right, let's say you had dessert before your regular main course or your or your meal you're actually going to transport the relaxing neurotransmitters like tryptophan, 5-HTP, uh, serotonin, into the brain better. That you're actually encouraging the transport of these relaxing neurotransmitters by taking sugar with protein. Okay. 
So it will it will facilitate the uptake. All right, I got a bunch of questions, but uh, we're running short on time for our part one segment. So in part two, uh, we're going to do a deeper dive on neurotransmitter support. Uh, we're talking dopamine, serotonin, brain health, and supplementation with Dr. Neil Edward Levin. Uh, he's Senior Nutrition Education Manager for Now Foods and Protocol for Life Balance. If you want some more information, uh, check out uh, our website at drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. And um, when we return, more on the subject of neurotransmitter support. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. 